Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is, uh, unbelievably, July the 28th, 2017. Where did the time go? Uh, I hope all of you have had a great week. Uh, Always great to catch up on what's going on in the world with you at the end of the week, and that's what this program is about, with particular attention to the multifaceted immigration crisis. Uh, that right now is impacting so many of the challenges and threats that America and Americans face on a daily basis. You're familiar with my program. You know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Worked for that agency for 30 years. And I inquired uh, through my career uh, a very different perspective, I suspect, on immigration than you've been hearing about in the daily news. Um, The news media... Uh, left, right, center, most programs are agenda-driven, and the agenda is a globalist agenda. Corporations hate borders. Corporations love cheap labor, love to be able to move uh, commerce freely between countries. And that's fine, except when you wind up with third-world workers coming into the United States in large numbers, that then becomes the standard for the United States. The standard for the United States is being established by the expectations of the people willing to accept the worst wages under the worst working conditions. And we're not just talking about uh, illegal aliens working in the United States, but if you look at the H-1B visa program and other programs whereby America admits high-tech workers from countries uh, that are hostile to us. Certainly nobody could argue that the China is our ally not with what they have been doing of late in the South China Sea. So my mission ever since the attacks of 9-11 has been to try to call attention to all of these issues and then to fill the gap that was created by the failure of the mainstream media to truly report on immigration accurately, objectively, and dispassionately. You have a crayon handy. If you're not familiar again with me with what I've been doing, please go to front frontpagemag.com. I do a lot of writing for Front Page Magazine that is sponsored by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Very proud to be a columnist for them. I write for capsweb.org, Californians for Population Stabilization. do a lot of writing for the Social Contract. It's a quarterly publication. The spring edition, in fact, um, the two lead articles were the articles that I wrote. One of them, Immigration Fraud, The Lies That Kill very important. This is more than concern about the Mexican border that certainly has to be secured, that the entire immigration system is is failing, has been failing for decades, not because it can't be done, but because our so-called political leaders have determined that it won't be done, because too much money is being made by the oligarchy, and believe it or not, there is an oligarchy in America, the billionaires, manipulate the economy, 
the billionaires who manipulate working conditions for Americans. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But, you know, it, it, it's remarkable to me that when you listen to the conservative programming and you hear about the need for comprehensive reform, the need to remove taxes, the need to cut regulations. Uh, look, there's lots of regulations that are stupid that should be removed. But the idea that we are somehow going to totally ignore, um, that we're going to somehow totally ignore everything that uh, we need to do, uh, does not make any sense whatsoever. And, uh, and therein lies the problem. We, we've got to stop all of this that is going on um, where the mainstream media refuses to talk about how um, corporations want no taxes, no regulations, no nothing. And, and that's got to end because it doesn't work that way. Everyone has to chip in and, and uh, to use the expression, have skin in the game. And so as American middle class families are paying more taxes and losing jobs and facing wage suppression, there's something inherently terrible with that, even as we listen to corporation heads demand fewer regulations and fewer taxes. Somebody has to foot the bill. And that somebody today, for the most part, is middle class America. And that is an unworkable set of circumstances. It's not fair. And if you destroy the middle class, you destroy the heart and soul of America. When people like Alan Greenspan can go before um, the Senate Judiciary Committee, as he did back on April 30th, 2009, Chuck Schumer was the chairman of the committee, and referred to middle-class high-tech workers as the privileged elite earning a wage premium. We're talking middle-class folks. The same guy that has a mansion in the Hamptons complaining bitterly that the uh, middle-class American workers uh, are making too much money somehow? I, I mean, really? I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. But that's the kind of nonsense that we continuously hear from the mainstream media that, you know, or, or at least the conservative media who will go along with that program and say this is acceptable. You know, we need to look out for um, that which the corporations want. And then you go to the other side on the left, and, and, and the folks on the left want more benefits, more of everything. But again, who's supposed to pay for it? Well, if corporate America isn't going to pay for it, who in the world is paying for it? Well, the, uh, the answer should be pretty obvious who's paying for it. We the people are paying for it. Middle class America is paying for it. And we're paying for it with our jobs. And this importation of huge numbers of foreign workers is causing Americans and other people to lose their lives in America. The aliens are being smuggled into the United States. Uh, we saw that, and I just wrote an article, in fact, the front page mag about that, immigration law enforcement and human trafficking. What exactly is pro-immigrant and compassionate about sanctuary cities? And you saw that report just a few days ago in San Antonio, Texas, Ten illegal aliens died in the back of an overcrowded tractor trailer, trailer rig, no air conditioning, no circulating air, no water, no nothing, out in the, in the desert sun. And there may have been as many as 100 people or more jammed into that, into that trailer. And 
This happens every day. This is a daily occurrence that people are being moved from the border in all sorts of conveyances. But this time it caught the attention of the media, perhaps because the 10 people died, perhaps because it was in a public area, a Walmart parking lot in San Antonio. But this is not the first time. It's not the last time that people will die that way. People die in the desert all the time trying to come here when the smugglers abandon them. And they're being motivated to come here by sanctuary cities, by prior administrations. George W. Bush, if you, if you look at the testimony, I've discussed this previously, uh, of John Hostetler, when he chaired the House Immigration Subcommittee, a Republican, talked about how the DHS was supposed to make immigration law enforcement the priority, and it did anything but that, made it impossible to enforce the immigration laws, made it impossible to secure the borders, and as a consequence, made it impossible to protect America and Americans. A courageous statement on the part of John Hostetler. And, you know, if you go to my article, you'll see where I, I provide the quotes. I don't just spew nonsense. Most of the mainstream media, people come on, the talking heads, no background, no understanding, no nothing, but they have opinions. And they're free to spew the opinion as long as it jibes with management's opinion. That's why they do pre-interviews. And, and that's why I'm very pleased and proud and happy to go on programs, as I did today, over at Newsmax with my old friend, Bill uh, Tucker. Um, you know, I've, I've known Bill since he was working with Lou Dobbs at CNN. Been, uh, we've known each other for almost 15 years now. Newsmax doesn't do a pre-interview. And I'm not being paid by them, so don't think that I'm, I'm saying all these nice things because I'm being paid. No, I'm not. I just call them as I see them. And if I anger people, so be it. People need to be PO'd sometimes, you know, and I have no problem uh, getting people pissed at me because we need to have the truth in this country. Democracy depends on the truth. Democracy depends on freedom of speech. And increasingly, freedom of speech is being shut down. On safe spaces, it's being shut down when you tell people you can't use terms like boy or girl or man or woman. God only knows we've become so afraid to offend people. And very often, we just sit out to dance and don't bother talking to anybody. That's dangerous because that stifles free speech. That stifles the ability of Americans to communicate with each other. It's bad enough that so many people don't speak, read, or write English in America today. I see nothing wrong with learning second and third languages. As an INS agent, I had to learn Spanish. My parents used Yiddish as a secret language because of our ethnicity and our background. My mom came here from Poland speaking Polish and Yiddish, but quickly after coming to America, made sure to learn English. And she was all of 14 years old. My dad's parents came from Russia. Same story. Priority one was to learn English. We need a common language. We've turned America into a tower of Babel. We've also turned America into a tower of babbling idiots. They're the ones that show up all too frequently in front of the TV cameras. News is hard to come by. That, again, is why I'm here. I don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to get into areas where I don't have expertise. But immigration is something that I've been involved with. I hate to admit it going back to 1971. And it's a most critical issue because it's about keeping out criminals and terrorists, enemy combatants, spies, human rights violators, people with dangerous communicable diseases, people who are likely to take the jobs of Americans or at the very least drive down wages by flooding the labor pool. And those people in the back of the truck who were injured as well as the ones who died were coming here as an act of desperation because they lived in countries where they couldn't have opportunities. But as we admit more and more people from third world countries, they bring with them expectations 
as third world workers of what they think is a reasonable paycheck and what they think is reasonable working conditions. We would be appalled. But we're Americans and they're not. But increasingly, as we flood America with third world workers, with third world expectations of wages and working conditions, those working conditions and those wages are becoming the new norm. We are slowly but surely turning America itself into a third world country by design. By design. And the media has been so complicit that when Donald Trump stood up, and I don't care what you think about Trump, and sometimes I agree with him and sometimes I disagree with him, but goodness, he was 100% right when he said we've got to secure the borders, we've got to keep the terrorists out, we've got to get American hands to do the jobs, and Americans are screaming. I wrote an article during the mayhem demonstrations, as I referred to the May Day demonstrations. The people that were out there demonstrating obviously didn't learn the lessons of economics of supply and demand. When you have a shortage of jobs and an abundance of workers, you don't bring in more workers. Because if you bring in still more workers, then you're going to drive down wages and displace American workers. So you have people out there demonstrating and in some cases rioting. We want more money. We want more money. We want good jobs. Well, that's great. Who doesn't? But the path to that doesn't come about by flooding America with foreign cheap labor. And that's not a statement of bigotry. It's a statement of reality. People get upset when there's a, 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 an opening in management in a company and the company hires outside the company for a vice president. They say, gee whiz, why didn't they pick someone from inside the company? Today, we're not even picking people from inside the country. And Donald Trump comes along and says, we have to reverse what we're doing. This is anti-American. This is hurting America's security, safety. Today, Donald Trump was out on Long Island. If you're not aware of it, he was talking about MS-13. That's a subject close to my heart. I began investigating MS-13 nearly 25 years ago out on Long Island. They were always violent and vicious, but there weren't that many of them back then. But the surge of unaccompanied minors that um, Mr. Obama gifted us with back in 2013, 2014, 2015, metastasized the MS-13 presence in the United States uh, to almost every state in the Union. This supposedly small group of gangsters now permeates the United States. They are recruiting eight-year-old children. According to the reports, uh, at least 20 young people were killed on Long Island in the past year and a half or so. And not just killed, but sliced up, chopped up, tortured. Goodness. And yet, and yet, there were demonstrators out there today saying, oh, don't you go enforcing the immigration laws. Don't you go politicizing immigration. Immigration is all about politics. Jimmy Carter ordered immigration agents to not make arrests during the census to gerrymander the district by making certain that the liberal cities and towns had large numbers of illegal aliens, that those aliens got counted meant that during the census, during his administration, that more seats in the House of Representatives and consequently more electoral votes in the Electoral College would go to those bastions of liberalism. And remember, I'm registered as a Democrat. I'm being nonpartisan what I'm telling you. I'm just telling you the truth. Neither party should be doing that nonsense to us. We're being shafted by both parties. I hate both parties. 
if you look at the way they operate, you could probably do a RICO case against them, a racketeering case. It's about campaign contributions, influence, power. Where does that leave the average American? Up a tree with nowhere to go. Up a tree with nowhere to go. Both political parties want the campaign contributions because it's expensive to run for president. Billions of dollars. It's expensive to run for the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate or the governor's mansion. This isn't the old days where you went out there and spent a couple of bucks and made some speeches and people voted for you. Electioneering is big business. The pollsters are big business, the pollsters. I I, I would love to see some of these pollsters sitting on their polls and rotating. The pollsters ask questions, and the way the questions are framed very often determines how the questions are going to be answered. Then they bring these bogus polls back to the politicians who don't have balls in their shorts and uh, wind up doing whatever they have to do to get the perceived votes. They talk about Latino voters as though somehow an American whose last name is Rodriguez wants something from the guy whose last name is Schwartz, Goldstein, or Jackson. If that isn't a demonstration of bigotry and racism and profiling, I don't know what is. All Americans, all Americans who are rational and reasonable, irrespective of what I call the superficial factors, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, all Americans want the military to keep the enemy as far from us as possible. All Americans want law enforcement to keep the criminals off the street, the drugs out of our schools, the gangs out of our schools, and they want the schools to educate the kids so that any child, irrespective of race, religion, ethnicity, or gender, can write the next great American success story. That's what we want for ourselves, our children, and our children's children. And please don't tell me that someone whose last name is Rodriguez or Garcia wants something different. Because if you believe that, you're a flaming fool and a bigot. We're Americans. But yet the pollsters put us into little cubby holes. Oh, the Jewish voters want this, and the black voters want that, and the Latino voters want something else. And they're out there with their magic markers and drawing these lines that look like an EKG or a seismograph or God knows what. It looks so scientific. All it is is a coloring book for nitwits. And you saw how effective those pollsters were during the election. Donald Trump won, bottom line. Donald Trump won because they got it wrong. And they got it wrong because this idea of identity politics is corrosive. It's disgusting. It's destructive. It's ripping America apart. And it's far from accurate. And to any politician who thinks that they're going to follow what the polls tell them to do, I got a word of advice for you. Running in front of a mob doesn't mean you're leading the mob. Running in front of a train doesn't mean you're leading the train. You're just running for your life and you're a coward. Real leaders need to stand up and say, enough, enough. And that's how Trump got elected. Whether you like him or not, that's how he got elected. Because finally, finally, somebody who couldn't be bought stood up and said, put America and Americans first. I had said that in my writings. I know some of the people that work for him read my writings. I've spoken with a bunch of them. And I told them it would be nice if we had a president who would say a pledge of allegiance to the American people. And lo and behold, when the president um, gave his state of uh, his inaugural address, rather, what did he talk about? Saying the pledge of allegiance to the American people. This is common sense. People want to know that the president of the United States represents them before they rep- before he or she represents people from any other country. 
parents put their children first. Countries are supposed to put their citizens first. But there's a problem. The word citizen, the word alien, the word immigrant. Dirty words today. Dirty words because when we start to make distinctions between aliens and citizens, then the notion of open borders becomes much more difficult to deal with. It's hard to obfuscate the truth when you use accurate language. Language is critical. Language is critical. If you can control the language of a debate, you can win. In a debate, language is like the high ground to the military. The guy on top of the hill has a much easier time of it than the guy at the bottom of the hill trying to scale the hill. The person that can control the language of the debate, he's the person that has the unfair advantage. Look at the way the media reported. And I wrote about this, again, for Front Page Magazine, courting disaster. Supreme Court decides against Homeland Security. And the subtitle, Court Guts Presidential Authority to Prevent the Entry of Terrorists. Well, the news media has continuously, and I don't care what station you want to go to, with the exception of Newsmax, One American News Network, uh, my friend Dana over the Dana Show at Blaze TV, they know better. The other networks, travel bans. Travel bans. Muslim-majority countries. That's what we've been hearing. Travel bans. Muslim-majority countries. Okay. Travel bans. Not really. There's a section of law, and I've, I've discussed this previously, but I'm going to discuss it again because the Supreme Court has weighed in again, and the Supreme Court has pulled the rug out from America. The Supreme Court. Not just that wacky judge in Hawaii. Not just Watson. The Supreme Court. Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, F as in Frank. 1182 altogether. This section of law you need to read. Really, you need to read it. Go to my website. Go to michaelcutler.net. Go to capsweb.org, front page mag, the social contract. I don't care where you go. But you will see links to these sections of law. You need to educate yourself. You need to do a little bit of heavy lifting. You can't understand the issues by reading the headlines and think you understand what's happening, especially especially when the broadcast media is doing everything they can to obfuscate the truth. You know, the scene with Jack Nicholson of the a few good men at the court martial, you can't handle the truth. Well, the mainstream media, if they were honest, ha, huh, lots of luck, would say, we don't want you to have the truth. They're in the business of propaganda, straight out of George Orwell. So if you look at 1182, it's the categories of aliens to be excluded from the United States. And you'll see it. It's right there, black and white. It has nothing to do with race, religion, ethnicity. It's about keeping out aliens with dangerous diseases, aliens who are mentally ill, criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, fugitives from justice, aliens who were previously deported, aliens who were likely to become a public charge, or if they worked with displaced Americans. That's it. doesn't talk about race, doesn't talk about nationality, doesn't talk about bupkis. It's about protecting America and Americans. That's what it's about. It's like the homeowner looking through the peephole before deciding on whether or not to let a stranger into his or her home. Common sense. Common sense. All too rare today. But Section F of that statute not only lists the categories of excludable aliens, but it also articulates in a couple of short sentences the authority of the President of the United States. And this has been invoked by Jimmy Carter, after Iran overtook our embassy and, and uh, seized our embassy and took Americans hostage, he said, we're not letting Iranians in. And in fact, agents, immigration agents, were ordered to go out and find every Iranian we could find. 
And even if they were here legally, question them and figure out if they posed a threat, figure out if they were saboteurs or terrorists or spies. Countries have that right. Aliens do not have an inherent right to enter the country, period. Citizens cannot, under any circumstances, be prevented from entering the United States. Never, ever. Can't happen. Against the law. Illegal. Aliens absolutely have to be admitted into the country by inspectors who are convinced that their presence won't be harmful as delineated in 1182, section 1182, Title VIII. But F talks about the president's authority. And here it is. It's very simple. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, let's just stop for a moment. Do you think perhaps that terrorists uh, would fall into the category of aliens detrimental to the interests? It's a very low bar. It can mean anything the president wants it to mean. If the president says it's detrimental, he can keep you out. And who can he keep out? He may by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions that he may deem to be appropriate. In theory, the president of the United States should be able to wake up tomorrow morning and say, that's it, we're not letting anybody into the country who's not a citizen. I don't care if you have a green card. I'm shutting the border. Guess what? As commander-in-chief, he has that authority. The courts have no business even being involved in this conversation. This is how litigious and screwed up we are that the courts are involved. The courts needed to look at that simple statement, needed to look at prior practices, and should have said, sorry, the president is acting within his authority. Obama went way outside his authority with the Dreamers. This is clearly within the authority. And so they reached back to the campaign. And you had Donald Trump talking about people who were Muslim terrorists. He's not as articulate as I wish he was, Donald Trump. The point that he was making, until we could figure out who these people are, as he says, who the hell these people are, I'm not letting them in. We have to be able to vet them. And he talks about extreme vetting, and I'm not sure how you implement it. Because if you look at the testimony during the Obama administration of John Brennan, the head of the CIA, if you look at the Mueller, if you look at other people over at the FBI, um, th there was no way of knowing that Mueller's successor as well. Um, I'm having brain freeze at the moment. But the point of the matter is that it was clear that there was no way to vet Syrian refugees and people from other parts of the world. The governments there are corrupt. They don't cooperate with us. Their, their countries are dysfunctional. Syria is in a state of war. Iran is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism. These are the countries that were on the list. These are the countries on the list. But the media kept calling it a travel ban for aliens from Muslim-majority countries. What's interesting is that none of these arguments would have happened if the, pre if the media had simply had the integrity and the honesty to just identify the president's executive order the way they did with DACA. Deferred action childhood arrival. We all saw that, right? DACA. They didn't say kids admission. They didn't say whatever. 
and occasionally they call them dreamers because dreamer went back to the dream act and it, it, it's about you know alien children see? and by the way isn't it remarkable the word alien became palatable when the a in dream is alien you know, well the american dream oh that conjures up all kinds of warm fuzzy feelings except americans need no longer apply so, so think about that you have james comey the head of the fbi Michael Steinbeck is assistant director for counterterrorism. You have John uh, Brennan, the head of the CIA, all saying we can't screen people. The president looked at that. He saw the terrorist attacks overseas. He saw the terror attacks in San Bernardino, the Boston Marathon. The list goes on. He said, I'm commander in chief. I'm president of the United States. The last thing that I want to do is be responsible for the deaths of Americans in our own country. If people pose a threat to our safety, we need to keep them out of the United States. What a radical thought. What a radical thought. But the courts got involved, and the media refused to tell the truth. By calling it a travel ban and not referring to it by name the way they did with Obama's Dream Act, you know, the DACA program, Deferred Action, it was easy to obfuscate the truth. Now, you must be wondering by now, what the actual title of the president's executive order is. I decided to give you a little bit of a cliffhanger. But let me tell you what it's called. And when I tell you the name of the president's executive order, you will immediately understand why the media refused to use the name of the executive order. Because it would provide irrefutable proof as to what this is all about. But that's not what they want. What they want to do is drive an agenda with the artful misuse of language out of Orwell. Okay, take out your crayons. Here is the name of the executive order that all the media calls the travel ban. Ready? Here we go. The executive order is known as the Protecting the Nation from Foreign Terrorist Entry into the United States. Let me repeat that. The actual official name of what the media is calling a travel ban, not a travel ban, this is what it's called, protecting the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the United States. How clear is that? How crystal clear is that? It's concise. It is focused. It provides clarity. It's about keeping out terrorists. But you see, if the evening news reported the president has issued an executive order to keep out terrorists, people would have yawned. They would have said, thank God. They would have said, wow, I can get a good night's sleep. So they called it a travel ban. And they kept saying Muslim countries, Muslim-majority countries, left out Indonesia, the most populous Muslim-majority country. The population of Indonesia by itself is almost equal to the population of all six of those countries combined that are on the list. If he was trying to keep out Muslims, he's doing a really bad job. Pakistan, left out of it. A whole bunch of other countries left out. It's not about Muslim-majority countries. It's about keeping out foreign terrorists so that they can't enter the United States to attack us. But if you said that, and it would be accurate, where are we? Now what do we do? Gee whiz, it sounds reasonable. But you see, we can't allow Mr. Trump to sound reasonable. We can't permit immigration law enforcement to sound reasonable. So what do we do? We use language that confuses the issue. 
by referring to illegal aliens as immigrants, and we're a nation of immigrants. And then people are running around saying the president is going to deport the immigrants. It sounds like he's rounding up people with green cards who are minding their own business. Not what he's doing. When you enter the country illegally, you are trespassing. Chuck Schumer, a couple years ago, went on a tirade and got in front of the TV cameras. What a rare event that is. And what did Chuck Schumer talk about? He said, we have people that are trespassing on the World Trade Center. This is while it was still under construction. He said, we have people that are climbing the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge, and they're hanging banners off the bridge, uh, touting the PLO and taking photos from the top of the Trade Center, posing a threat to public safety. We don't know who these people are, and by being there, they're endangering people's lives. So what did he say? We need a new federal law. Now, that's a novelty. What's the federal law? That if you trespass on critical infrastructure, if you trespass on a national landmark, this should be a federal crime with a five-year jail sentence attached to it. And he even noted that there was a 16-year-old kid who had climbed the World Trade Center to take pictures. He wanted to put a 16-year-old boy into a cage for five years because he trespassed on the, on the World Trade Center. Well, it's kind of strict, kind of stern. Boy, I'm impressed. Chuck Schumer getting serious about the law. Oh, but by the way, if you trespass on America, Schumer wants to give you citizenship. The disconnect is mind-boggling. So they run around and say, well, Trump is going to deport the immigrants. My wife was working in a synagogue, and there was a woman who worked there with us. She has a green card. I believe she was from Great Britain came to work one day and said, you know, I'm not really involved in politics. My husband, she told my wife, is a big supporter of Donald Trump. I think I like him. But the newspaper this morning had a headline that said Trump to deport the immigrants. And I'm wondering if I'm going to have to go back to England because I have children here. And my gosh, what would I do if I had to go back to England? My wife had to take great pains to explain to her. She said, no, 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 no. That's just the media. He's not talking about people with green cards who are here legally. He's talking about people who are here illegally, people who overstayed visas, people who have green cards but have been committing felonies and so forth, <clears throat> people who run the border. Why doesn't this say alien? And that's a good question. They've expunged the word alien from the conversation because it would provide clarity. And that's what Orwell did in Newspeak. The idea to Newspeak was to remove the words that might provide clarity on issues where they didn't want clarity. If you control the words, you control thought. Language control equals thought control. Think about that. In fact, there you go, thought control. Think about that. By controlling language, you control thought. You control people's understanding of issues. By no longer referring to aliens as aliens, it becomes a new conversation. Imagine if news people were told what words they can use and can't use. Wouldn't that worry you? Well, Associated Press just issued a style book that does just that. A whole bunch of words that reporters are told you may no longer use those words. This is straight out of George Orwell. Eliminate the words, you eliminate the thoughts. Take away the word alien, now we have a new conversation. Imagine if we insisted, and we'll do something comparable here, the term burglar, trespasser, those are, those are terrible words. You know, you might think someone's a bad guy. We, we can't do that. 
Let's refer to people who enter people's houses without permission as guests. Just imagine. You uh, start to call them guests. We're no longer going to call them burglars or um, trespassers. Because, you know, look, the likelihood is if the guy was home, he would have let them in anyway. Wink, wink. Right? Anyway, the word that they always love, they're going to drive anyway, give them licenses anyway. So that they probably would have been admitted anyway. So if some guy breaks into a house and the owner isn't there, don't call him a burglar. Don't you even think of that. Don't call him a trespasser. Let's call him a guest. Because presumably he's such a nice guy with a great smile, the owner would have let him in anyway. So now we're going to call people who break into homes guests. Now imagine the headline that reads, owner has police arrest a guest. You'd say, what the hell was wrong with the homeowner? He, he has a guest in his house, and then he has the police come and arrest him? What's wrong with this guy? The police arrested his guest? Boy, that guy's nasty. This is exactly what's happening here, folks. By no longer talking about illegal aliens as illegal aliens, if I get the words out, but calling them immigrants is the equivalent of referring to a burglar as a guest. So when the article is written that the homeowner called the police to have the guest arrested, you get angry at the homeowner. You say, that SOB. Here he invites someone into his home. And no sooner does the guy get there, he calls the cops, and they put the poor guy in jail because he was a guest. Boy, I wouldn't want to go to a party at that guy's house. That is precisely how the language has altered the conversation by design. If they actually identified the situation with honest language, we wouldn't have a problem. The problem comes when the newspapers talk about Trump locking up immigrants. We are a country of immigrants. How more anti-American could you be? You see how it works? That's the game being played on us by the media as well as by the politicians. But it gets worse. The executive order was to protect the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the United States. So let me ask you a question. And if you read my article, and I hope you will read it, and I hope you'll pass it along to as many people as you can and become part of my bucket brigade of truth. But do terrorists ever have family members? Interesting question. Because the focus of the article then became on the follow-up where this Judge Watson, Derek Watson from Hawaii, said, well, the Supreme Court said that parents and children and brothers and sisters can't be separated. And they didn't even talk about whether these people were citizens in their own right who were here first. If you're in America and you have a brother or sister or a mother or father or, or, or you want your child to come to America, they, you can't, the president can't stop them from coming. And Judge Watson said, well, you've got to include grandparents. And then you've got to include aunts and uncles. And you've got to include brothers-in-law and sisters-in-law. You've got to include cousins. And in some countries... The notion of a cousin is far more expansive than the way we would normally think about cousins. So basically, what Watson in Hawaii said is you can't stop anybody from coming into the United States. And you know what? The Supreme Court said the same thing. They said, you know what? You're right. We have to expand the definition of family. All but three justices of the Supreme Court agreed with Watson. 
The Supreme Court, in its initial finding, by the way, if you want to know how screwed up the Supreme Court is, said that fiancés could not be stopped from entering the United States, even if they're from those countries where we can't vet them. That's what this is about. So let's think about San Bernardino. Was it not the fiancé who came to America and convinced her soon-to-be husband to go on that murderous rampage? Think about that. She came here on a K-1 visa, fiancé petition. What did she do? Instigate a bloody terrorist attack. Killed a bunch of people who just weeks earlier gave her gifts because she was about to have a baby, as I recall. So the Supreme Court turns around and says, oh, we can't separate fiancés from, from, from their fiancés. Really? Look at San Bernardino. You can't separate brother from brother. Really? Look at the Tsarnaev brothers. One brother became a terrorist, convinced his other brother to join him. If you go back to Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, you're going to see a string of articles where I've written about people who went to fight ISIS at the behest of their siblings, their brothers. Come out here. Get your U.S. passport. Get your citizenship. And as soon as you get a U.S. passport, it's easy to travel around the world. And we just give them their citizenship, and they're off to the races. Their brothers have enticed them. Have we not seen families where a terrorist carries out an attack and the families carry on as though this guy won the Olympics, as though this guy won the marathon? Oh, my God, my son killed a bunch of infidels. Thank God. Allah be great. You know, whatever it is she says. And, and, and this is a perversion of, of anyone's religion. And, and you know, I, that's what we're seeing under the guise of religion. With that fervor, knowing that they have the truth, supposedly, your families thrilled that their own children have killed innocent people. They have family. And yet, what did the Supreme Court say? If you have a family in the United States, you can't be stopped from entering. He's only the president, right? But the Supreme Court went beyond that. They also said any entity in the United States. If you have a relationship, a bona fide relationship with any entity, what's an entity? An employer or a school. Hold everything. Even people who are coming here to deliver a speech for money can't be stopped from entering the United States. By the President of the United States, Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, can't say, wait a minute, I'm invoking that statute, 1182F, I'm not letting you in. I'm concerned that we can't properly screen you. And by the way, if you can't screen these people, how do you know who they're related to? And even if you wanted to use DNA testing, something to think about, as they're doing in France because they were getting a lot of fraud. And immigration fraud, by the way, was identified by the 9-11 Commission as the key entry and embedding tactic of terrorists, and not just on 9-11. But brothers-in-law, sisters-in-law, their DNA will be nothing like the, the, their in-laws. Cousins, God knows. So there's no way to verify the familial relationship. And the Supreme Court said, but if you are a student in school, or if you have a job and you're working in the United States, or if you're coming to deliver a speech, then the president can't stop you. So now what they have told terrorists to do is to claim to have family in the United States, and then they can come in, and the president can't stop them. Of course, the inspectors can if they have the information that they need. 
I'm waiting for the Supreme Court to rule against the inspections process at the at ports of entry. And then we truly will have a country with no borders. Lots of luck with that one. Lots of luck with that one. We're going to take the door off the hinges. So please understand what we're talking about. You can have radical Islamist terrorists whose families celebrate when their children murder innocent people in the name of God. And yet the Supreme Court doesn't look at this and say, wait a minute, safety first. In fact, I love the language. You know, the balance tips towards national security if the alien has no bona fide relationship in the United States. It tips. This isn't the damn scale. These aren't the scales of justice. The balance tips toward national security. Folks, national security should always be number one on the list of priorities. And when I could hear the Supreme Court talking about the scales tipping toward national security, but only if the alien in question has no bona fide relationship with cousins or in-laws or has a job or going to school or coming to give a speech. Do you know what a terrorist does the day before he or she participates in a terrorist attack? They go to their job or they attend the classes or they've been hiding in plain sight. We've had terrorists come to America and get advanced degrees in science and then carry out terrorist attacks. But the Supreme Court has now ruled that if you're going to school in America, you're sacrosanct. You're as good as gold. We have 9,000 schools in the United States. 9,000 schools. We don't even know if any of, of all of them actually even exist. Some of them are what we call mills. They're, they're, they're letterheads. You pay your tuition and they give you the, the I-20 form and you go to the State Department and you get a visa to come to school. And the foreign student advisors of those schools are the ones that keep track of the aliens. If there's too many of them. We now have over a half million foreign students being admitted into the United States every year to attend the STEM programs, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. And most of those students are coming here from where? China and India. And then China uses the technology that we taught their, their citizens to build the artificial island in the South China Sea to become crack computer hackers. Think about that to build up their Navy, their nuclear Navy, and their airplanes and everything else, we've educated our adversaries. And then who do they share that information with? North Korea. And North Korea just launched an intercontinental ballistic missile today. And I guarantee you that if you look at the chain, you know, trace where the information, the knowledge, the capacity to do that came from, it was the United States to China, China to North Korea. We're educating the people who want to kill us. And what's so remarkable is that on February the 24th, 1998, Diane Feinstein, at a hearing held by the Senate Judiciary Committee, subcommittee on, I believe it was national security or terrorism, held a hearing on the topic of terrorists operating in the United States. And she questioned three things. Number one, maybe we should reconsider the visa waiver. Was that a pilot program? Well, I've been screaming about it for years. We need to require visas of all aliens seeking entry into the United States, especially in this dangerous era. So she questioned it in 98, three and a half years before 9-11. Think about it. And nobody rioted. Nobody fainted. Nobody went nuts. She also said, maybe we should not be giving visas at all to aliens that come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Exactly what Donald Trump said. No riots. 
Nobody sued her. Nobody rioted or screamed or yelled or fell down. Okay, we were concerned. This is all predicated on the, on the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993 and the shooting of CIA officers a month earlier, uh, all by foreign nationals from the Middle East. And finally, Dianne Feinstein said, maybe we ought to stop giving training in nuclear physics and biochemistry to citizens of terror-sponsoring countries because we're teaching these people how to make weapons of mass destruction. Nobody blinked. Nobody flinched. Now you've got the Supreme Court saying if you're a foreign student, you can't be stopped from entering the United States by the president. Have we lost our collective minds? Has the Supreme Court gone off the deep end? Go back to the title of that executive order. It's about keeping foreign terrorists out of the United States. But what the Supreme Court did, aided and abetted by the media, is to turn this into a discussion not about national security, but about what constitutes actual family. And so the headlines blared, judge in Hawaii rules, grandparents can be reunited with their grandchildren. And that was what the focus was. And then you wonder why Donald Trump is getting hammered in the polls, because the average schmuck, the average fool who reads that headline says, my God, Donald Trump wanted to separate children from their grandparents? Is he crazy? What kind of man is he? Because it's taken out of context. And then the Supreme Court said, judge in Hawaii is right. You can't separate grandchildren from their grandparents. Another shot at Donald Trump. Listen, this is crazy stuff. This is crazy stuff. Why did the headlines say foreign students can't be prevented from entering the United States? Foreign workers can't be prevented from entering the United States. People coming to give speeches can't be. Donald Trump, you know, is trying to separate in-laws. Heck, when I speak to most people, they talk about their in-laws. You don't want to know what they say. But, I mean, all kidding aside, think about what I'm saying to you. The media mis portrays the truth. They lie through their teeth. And if you dare use the phrase fake news, everybody has a cow. But it is fake news. If the media would only refer to the president's executive order by its actual title instead of calling it a travel ban, there'd be no complaints. I mean, there's always going to be some fool that's going to complain. But it would make sense to people. How could anyone argue when you say we're trying to keep terrorists out of the United States? No, bring them in. I can't wait to see more carnage. Really? But that's how the news is misportraying it. That's how the average American looks at the headline and says, oh, my God, this is about Muslims and grandparents. No, it's about terrorists and dead bodies. But that's not what the media says. That's not what the media says. And when our friends at CNN talk about the president giving that great speech that he just gave today out on Long Island, and he talks about MS-13, how they're going to attack MS-13, and we're going to do them in. And he was there with the ICE agents and members of law enforcement. And boy, did he get a raucous reception. And I was proud to listen to that speech. I spent 30 years of my life enforcing the immigration laws. Proud to do the job. Proud to do that job. And he said to these agents, I've got your back. You do the job and we'll support you. 
Well, it's a far cry from George W. Bush, who put Border Patrol agents in jail for doing their job. And when one of those agents, I forget if it was Ramos and Compion, got beat up, got beaten to within an inch of his life, instead of just commuting the sentence and say, okay, you know, whatever, and he shouldn't have been prosecuted in the first place, and they didn't even tell these agents that the guy that they got into this situation with was, was a known drug trafficker. They're supposed to make full disclosure. They didn't. I mean, Bush, no hero here either, folks. The solution for this agent who was almost killed in jail was to put him in solitary confinement. Imagine if you tried to do that to a terror suspect today. There'd be riots. Nobody rioted. Nobody gave a damn. So you have a president of the United States who's not only commander-in-chief of the armed forces, but commander-in-chief of federal law enforcement, tell the agents, you go after the gang and I'll have your back. And the reaction was amazing. It was great listening to it. I'm sorry I couldn't watch the actual program. And CNN came on right after that, talking about how MS-13 said that this isn't going to deter them, that this is helping them to recruit more members. The lie that if we enforce the immigration laws and, and, and police work with immigration, nobody would come forward. That's baloney. People that don't want to talk to police from foreign countries are people who have been conditioned to expect that the cops are corrupt or they're scared to death of reprisals by the gangs. Once they know that immigration will work with them to help them stay here, which is what I did when I was at the DEA intelligence, what I did when I was with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, then the problem wasn't getting informants to come out of the woodwork and talk to us. It was getting them to stop talking because they wanted to tell you everything. If they felt the more they told you, the more you could help them, the happier they were. But you're not going to hear that on the 6 o'clock news or the 11 o'clock news. There's an agenda. There's an agenda. And the agenda is to spin the story so that any effort to enforce the immigration laws gets labeled as anti-immigrant. Vilifying decent Americans who don't want their kids to be attacked by gang members. Happens every day in America today. By Americans who don't want to see their family members caught up in drugs. How do you think the heroin gets here? We don't manufacture heroin in the United States. Every gram had to be smuggled in. Same thing with cocaine. But if you dare say, keep out the criminals, keep out the terrorists, and keep out the drugs, in this Orwellian era, you're branded anti-immigrant. We're turning villains into heroes and heroes into villains. Welcome to America 2017. I want to thank you for spending this last uh, almost hour with me. I hope that you find the information that I convey to you in this program to be helpful. It's certainly not what you're hearing in the mainstream media or reading in the mainstream newspapers, which is why newspapers are going belly up. I've often joked that the New York Times should change its slogan from all the news that fit the print to you'll have a fit from what we print. So I am your reality check. I am here to provide you with the information that, frankly, is becoming very scarce and difficult to come by. So I'm glad you're joining me. I hope that you will tell as many of your friends about me, about this program, post links to my articles on Facebook and other social media, we need to create a bucket brigade of truth. And if you know of opportunities for speaking events anywhere in the United States, let me know. I've traveled from coast to coast and border to border, as Lou Dobbs used to say over at CNN. 
happy to meet Americans, happy to provide my perspectives, and most importantly, happy to provide you with the truth that's almost impossible to get. So that's it for this week. Again, I want to remind all of you that if what I've told you and if my articles get you motivated, don't just sit there and get aggravated. Take action. Because you know the story. I say it every week, and I'm going to say it again today. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week, same time, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour.